Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us how Israel came into Egypt and how Joseph prepared his bones to later be carried out. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Joseph had lived in Egypt for decades, and Egypt had been very, very good eventually to Joseph, and Joseph was the most powerful man in Egypt, second to Pharaoh. But Joseph looked at Egypt, and he said, there's a big problem here. Egypt is a land without God. What is most important for me, Joseph could say, is to live a life with God. It is to be with God. So as good as Egypt is, it's not my home. And I am a stranger here, and as nice as Egypt has been to me, I want to leave. Because I don't want to stay any longer than I have to in a land without God. And Joseph thought this, even though he had wealth, He had servants ready to do whatever he said. Anything he wanted, Joseph saw clearly that all Egypt could offer was what's described in 1 John 2.16. For all that's in the world, and he could plug in all that's in Egypt. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And as Joseph looked at Egypt, he could say that everything that's in Egypt, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of God. It's of the world. And Joseph knew, James 4, 4, that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Joseph's world was Egypt, so he very well could have said, friendship with Egypt is enmity with God. James 4.4 says, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Joseph could say, Whosoever there will be a friend of Egypt is an enemy of God. And there's one thing that Joseph didn't want. He didn't want to be an enemy of God. He wanted to be a friend of God. And for Joseph, that was his highest priority, to be a friend of God. And if friendship with Egypt put him in enmity with God, then Joseph would reject Egypt and be its enemy so that he could be a friend of God because he knew this would be a great temptation for his people. So Joseph made a lasting memorial, very interesting memorial, but he was a promise. And we have to look in the last verses of the book of Genesis to see this. The last few verses in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50, verses 24 to 26, reads like this. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which you swear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you. Second time he said that. And ye shall carry up my bones from hence. Last verse, last verse in Genesis closes with this. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him. And he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And those are the last recorded words we have of Joseph. We see Joseph saying to his people, God will surely visit you. God will surely visit you. This shows us Joseph's heart. Finally, we have this window into his life. And here it is closing this window at the end of Genesis 50. But we're left with these words and we saw them. Last thing we saw about Joseph, we saw him say, God will surely visit you. And you can see how this truth re-echoed in his mind because he said it twice in verse 24. He said that, and then he said it again in verse 25. 
He said, God will surely visit you. And it had been decades since he'd been in the land of Israel. But he knew that God was going to bring them out of Egypt into the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And he said, God will visit you and you will carry up my bones from hence. For Joseph, the time had come for his death. The embalmers were ready. He had instructed them to embalm him. The coffin was prepared. Joseph made his people swear that when God visited them, that they would open up that coffin and carry those bones, Joseph's bones, out of Egypt into the land of Canaan. And that was his testimony to them, that God was going to bring them out. Who was this man, Joseph? We know so much that happened to him in his history, but then the real question is, do we know his heart? Do we know him from the inside? These are his last words, and they tell us so much about him. These last five words of Joseph that he repeated twice, they reveal to us, they're a window into his soul, they're a window into his heart that tell us what really made Joseph tick. And those are the words. God will surely visit you. Here was Joseph's secret. This is the secret of Joseph's life. How did he overcome in his life? How did he have victory in his life? Through every stage in the life of Joseph, he had confidence that God would surely visit him. We saw Joseph earlier when in his home he was surrounded by his brothers who held him in contempt. For all those nights when Joseph would lay his head on the pillow at his home and felt so alone, so misunderstood, his mother, Rachel, had died giving birth to his brother. His father resented his dreams that he would bow down to him. His brothers hated him for his dreams. And Joseph was all alone in his own house, misunderstood and hated with a murderous hatred. What was the secret for Joseph to not give up in despair all alone? How was he able to endure in his own home? Joseph endured with the words, God will surely visit you. God will surely visit me. I have one friend, Joseph would say. I have one friend and his name is God. Joseph could say with King David the words of Psalm 27.10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Joseph could rephrase it and put it this way, when my father through misunderstanding and my mother through death forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Joseph could say the words of Proverbs 18.24, a man that has friends must show himself friendly, but there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he knew who that friend was. If Joseph were alive today, he would sing the words, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. We saw Joseph in the pit, thrown there by his own brothers. We saw Joseph listening to his brothers who were in the stage of finally, we can discuss how we're going to kill him. We saw Joseph in that hot desert in a pit where it says there was no water. We saw him looking around that pit wondering, is this going to be my coffin? Is this it? Is this where I'm going to breathe my last? Then we saw them concluding that at least they should get a little money for him. And we saw him being lifted up out of the pit and be sold as a slave to be carried down into Egypt, just as we saw earlier when they brought Joseph into Egypt. And then we saw a new enemy rise up against Joseph, the wife of his master. We saw her try to destroy his soul through immorality. And when that didn't work, then we saw her try to destroy his body 
by falsely accusing him of attempting to rape her. Then we saw Joseph wasting away in a dark, damp Egyptian prison, being tortured in that prison with his feet in pain from those iron stocks that they put on him. We saw Joseph described in Psalm 105, verses 17 through 19. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. How was Joseph able to survive again alone there with his feet in pain in that prison? Joseph survived because he knew, God will surely visit me. And then when Joseph was exalted as second into Pharaoh, the most powerful man in Egypt, which really represented his strongest trial, that was his greatest trial. That was the greatest challenge that Joseph had. Why? Because here we saw Joseph being praised by Pharaoh and all the Egyptians. In Genesis 41, 38 through 43, it says, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. In reality, in reality, this was Joseph's greatest trial. Why? Because of Proverbs 27, 21. As the fining pot for silver, it's a place where silver is purified, and the furnace for gold, it's a place where gold is purified, so is a man to his praise. What does it mean? It means you put fire and heat to make molten silver so that you can separate the dross from the silver. You put gold in a furnace so hot that the impurities just vaporize away under the heat. That's trial that purifies. God says, when you praise a man, you put him under that kind of trial. You put him under that kind of heat. So is a man to his praise. That's why in this phase in Joseph's life, he was in his greatest trial, his greatest challenge. Here, finally, Joseph was understood. Here, he received what his family never gave him, acknowledgement that God had spoken to him, that God had sent him. Here was all of Egypt bowing the knee before Joseph, and that was his greatest trial. That was his greatest trial, because now he had an audience of a whole country How was Joseph able to overcome this trial? How was he able to get the victory over this great temptation? Egypt was comfortable for Joseph. The Egyptians had given Joseph a prominent wife. He had children by her. He had the highest position in Egypt next to Pharaoh. How was he able to obey God when it says in Micah 2.10, Arise ye and depart. For this is not your rest, because it is polluted. It shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. Those words, Joseph could hear them 
as if God was saying to him, Arise, Joseph, and depart. This Egypt is not your rest, because it is polluted. It will destroy you with a sore destruction. And Joseph believed that. And how was he able to believe that? How was he able to proclaim in the middle, in the best time of his life, that he was going to leave Egypt? He was looking forward to leaving Egypt, even if it was just going to be his bones that left. Joseph was able to turn his back on Egypt because he held to those words. God will surely visit you. And Joseph did exactly the same thing that Moses did. Have you ever thought of the parallels between Moses and Joseph? Joseph, who landed in prison, and Moses, who landed in a little ark, a little boat as a baby. Joseph, whose head was lifted up out of prison by Pharaoh and exalted to be prime minister next to Pharaoh. Moses, whose little body was lifted up out of the ark by Pharaoh's daughter to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter in line to be the next Pharaoh. Yet both Joseph and Moses, they turned their back and they forsook Egypt. Even if that forsaking was just a promise that his bones would be taken out, how were Joseph and Moses able to do that? They did it because of what it says in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as one, as seeing him who is invisible. Both Joseph and Moses saw him who is invisible. That's God. And for Joseph, he expressed it in these words, God will surely visit you. Joseph believed what was told to his great-great-grandfather Abraham when he was told, know of a surety in Genesis 15, 13, and 14. Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not there. Serve them, afflict them 400 years. Also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. Afterward shall they come out with great substance. Joseph knew of a surety that God had promised to Abraham that it was going to come true, that Israel was going to be a stranger in a land that was not theirs. Joseph knew that the tables would turn for Israel and that they would become slaves in Egypt. Joseph knew the time frame would be 400 years. Joseph knew, and it broke Joseph's heart to know that there would be 400 years of hard slavery. And Joseph thought back on his years of being a slave. And he knew that the only way for his own Jewish people to survive for their coming slavery, was going to be the only way that he was able to survive for his previous slavery by holding on to the word of God that was revealed to Abraham. God will surely visit you. Joseph knew God would judge Egypt and that the Jewish people would come out of Egypt and they'd have great wealth when they came out. And Joseph was so anxious for his Jewish brethren that he said, I'm committing my bones to you. You have one responsibility that I'm giving you, and that responsibility is my bones. You keep them, you carry them with you when God visits you, as he has promised. Joseph effectively made his bones speak to his own people for 400 years. With that promise, the Jewish people kept the bones of Joseph. Joseph's bones weighed on them all the time. They were responsible to care for Joseph's bones. He'd made them promise They were under an oath to carry Joseph's bones out of Egypt with them when God surely visited them. And he said to his brethren in Genesis 50, 24, Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. These are his last words. Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. 
And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph took an oath. His last words, he's taking an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from hence. Joseph was saying to his brethren, I know I'm dying. I know I'm dying. Do you see those Egyptian embalmers there? They're there because I've called for them. I have arranged for them to be here now. Do you see them with their needles, with their two breeds? I have instructed them. As soon as I die, which will be soon, they'll go to work. They'll put those needle spikes connected to those reed tubes right into my jugular veins. And then they'll push the blood out of my body. And they will infuse throughout my body the embalming fluids because the Egyptians were great chemists. And they're going to preserve my body and my bones just like they've done to all the pharaohs. Only all the pharaohs, they're buried in the tombs of the pharaohs. But those embalmers have strict orders from me to not bury me in the tombs of the pharaohs. Those embalmers will carry out my orders, and when they have embalmed me, they will hand my embalmed body and bones over to you, and you are to keep them. You are to keep my embalmed body and bones for the 400 years that God has said you will be in slavery. And all during those 400 years, when you will be slaves in Egypt, you are to look at my body, you are to look at my bones, and you are to hear again my words saying to you, God will surely visit you. You are never to look at Egypt as your home. And when God does visit you, every Jewish person is to leave Egypt, and you are to carry out my bones with you. And that was the reason why Joseph made them swear to carry his bones out with them. The world we live in today... That's our Egypt. When we were born, it happened to us, just like it says in Exodus 1, the children of Israel which came into Egypt. When we were born, we were like the children of Israel coming into our Egypt. That phrase applies to us. Israel which came into Egypt. We were born as Israel coming into Egypt. When Israel came into Egypt, they were at the point of dying from starvation. And that's really the same like every baby that's born. Every baby that's born is at the point of dying when he arrives in the world with lungs which have to, for the first time, inflate in order to live. Which blood which has to, for the first time, clot in order to live. Which hemoglobin which, for the first time, has to increase its affinity for oxygen in order to live. So many changes that have to happen for the first time for a baby. The baby is on the verge of death when he's born. And when we came into the world like Israel, on the verge of death from starvation when they came into Egypt. We, on the verge of death, also came into the world. And when Israel came into Egypt, no matter how well they were taken care of, it was always true what God told Abraham in Genesis 15, 13. He said it to Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. The Jewish people would never be anything more than a stranger in a land that was not theirs. They would never be anything more than a foreigner in Egypt. They would always be known as aliens in a foreign country. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the history here of Joseph. He's our example, Lord. And we pray that what he said from his heart may become also, Lord, the confession of our heart to ourselves and to others that you are a faithful, visiting God 
God will surely visit. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom, that was quite a graphic picture that I had never thought of before about Joseph ordering his embalmment and that his people should take care of and carry his bones out of Egypt into Canaan. Yes, it really is graphic. It really is shaking. I mean, it really shows us the heart of Joseph because Joseph, with all of his heart, he loved his his brothers. He loved his family. His family wanted to murder him. They had put him down there in the pit. They threw him down as if they were casting away a piece of garbage. And then they were very well content to let him just thirst to death out there. But all that they did to him, he loved them. He loved them with all of his heart. He prayed for them. He brought them to repentance. It was so wonderful to see. And his heart never changed. He knew the heart of his people. He knew the heart of his brothers. And he said, oh, they're going to be so tempted to stay in Egypt. They're going to be so so tempted to forget about God. Who needs God? Let's become Egyptians. It's so nice here. And he said, look, I've poured out my heart to you. I've done everything I've could. I've said all the words. I've kissed all the kisses. I've cried all the tears. And now what else can I do? embalmers, come and embalm me and then take my bones. And now my bones will keep speaking to you. And my bones will say to you what I've been saying to you all along. God will surely visit you. And that's going to be the message. I've done everything I can. I've prayed. I've kissed. I've wept. I've, I've spoken. I've demonstrated to you the forgiveness of God, the fact that you must always be like I am and you and have been and never give up your hope that God will surely visit you and he will take you out of this place. Why do you think I was able to endure in the house when you were hating me, to endure when I was a slave, to endure when my feet were being hurt with fetters, to endure when I was falsely accused, to even to endure when I was made the prime minister. I knew that God was going to visit us and bring us out. I don't want you to fall. I've done everything I possibly can. And so now my bones are going to speak. That's exactly the same heart that Paul had when he said in 1 Corinthians 9.22, to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Paul had the heart of Joseph. They both had the same heart. They wanted to save, to save, to save people from sin and hell and the rejection of God and the wrath of God. They knew that God was a merciful God and their lives were to be everything, anything, at any cost, at any time, at any price. I am willing to be made all things to all men. And Joseph is saying, I'm even willing for my bones to be embalmed so that they will continue to speak to you so that you can be saved. And that's the way Paul was. That's such a lesson to us. We need this heart where we're saying, do I have to become weak so that I can gain the weak and they can be saved? I'll become weak. Do I have to be whatever it takes? I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And what, and we see this in Joseph, as it says in the New Testament, it was by faith that he did this. It was by faith that he told the embalmers, embalmers, I'm getting ready for my last breath. You get ready with your spikes. And men here, my brothers, 
you get ready to take care of my bones and to carry them out and keep the oath. Keep the oath to carry me out because God will visit you. Never give that up. That's what we need to be like. We need to go to the lost and say, anything, anything at all, I will do. I will step out of my skin, Joseph. I will step out of my skin in order that you can be saved. I'll lay myself down as the bridge over troubled waters for you to walk across in order for you to be saved. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you can count on me because the principle for Joseph's life and the principle for Paul's life is that that I might by all means save some, whatever it takes. I am in the business of saving. That's my foremost. I'm not in the business of building my reputation. I'm not in the business of building my possessions. I'm not in the building business of making myself proud. I'm in the business if by that I might by all means save some. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you join us again next week as Tom Cantor continues to build our foundation in friendship with God. Now, what are the most frequently asked questions that Jewish people have? Tom Cantor's written a book called Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish People. This book will help you to be able to reach lost Jewish people better, as well as know Bible doctrine and contend for your faith. This book has nearly 60 pages of questions and notes that help you to answer and show the character, doctrine, and deity of the Lord Jesus Christ as you've never seen it written before. If you'd like to obtain a copy of this book, call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. You can also visit our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. You can also find us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week at this same time.